0: Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray. With me, I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins. Hello. We have a very special guest with us tonight, Gabriella Claymore. Gabriella is a writer from San Francisco. She's currently based in the Midwest in a very special um, city named Iowa City, (laughs) an important topic for today's episode. She graduated from Iowa's nonfiction writing program, where she was an Iowa arts fellow. Also a very important topic that will be heavily referenced throughout the show. Mm -hmm. What is up, Gab? How's it hanging in beautiful Iowa? Hey,
1: sorry. Um, It's been great. It's really warm today, and I am just noticing how when the sun is out, I am happy and when it's not out, I am deeply depressed and incapacitated. It's an
0: important thing. It's an important thing to see the sun. And in in Hannah's beautiful Iowa, the sun is always out.
2: Yeah, it's not like true in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Midwest is nice from like April 8th to October 8th. And then, then it is unlivable the rest of the year. Like I'm based out of Chicago and we probably had like pretty similar weekends. I was skipping down the street on Saturday. I was so happy. Like,
0: feel like I have been coming at like thawing from the winter, but also I hate summer. So each day when it gets warmer, and everyone's happier, I'm kind of reverting. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm I'm falling deeper into the depression, but I'm glad that you two are happy.
2: Summer Depression, I hate to say it, is very Lana a you.
0: It is. <laughs> Have you listened to the new Lana album? I'm, I feel like I'm, it's like an acquired taste, but I, I've i acquired it, I think. I think I've mastered it.
2: Yeah, 100% same. Um, One of my best friends is also like a ginormous Lana fan, and he didn't get it. And I really am, like, I think everything post-Norman fucking Rockwell is either like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And I definitely get it. I love the new album. And W I think is potentially one of her top five songs of all time.
0: I love And I also just feel like yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's kind of sleepy in parts, and if you're like a born to die kind of Lana fan, which I think I might be, mm-hmm. it's it's less uh, approachable. But yeah. I don't know, Jack Antonoff, he. He knows what he's doing. He does know what he's
2: doing. Um, he didn't know what he was doing by breaking up with <laughs> Lena Dunham, but I don't know, maybe well, he did. I don't know. Who's no, I to think say? he did.
0: I think I think he actually knew exactly what he was doing. I, I don't think that was
2: built to last. So, Gabriella, as a longtime music writer yourself, where do you stand on the Jack Antonoff debate? Is he good or bad?
1: Uh, okay for a while I was a Jack Antonoff apologist like one of my favorite albums of the past decade is Melodrama Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was a great example of him maybe just like being an amazing collaborator and a real partner but Mm -hmm. I get frustrated when I see his stamp like very clearly on things i don't know i try to think of something like i really i'm not super into the songs he does for midnights did he do mm-hmm. that whole record he did that whole record
2: more or less did.
1: yeah like i don't like midnights very much i think it kind of sucks for the most part <laughs> it's it's just very basic like there's like nothing that thrilling on it i don't even really like antihero that much sorry julia
0: Mm. I love that song and I that is too. also such a Jack Antonoff song. You really it do really hear stamp even on even on ANW. I played it for Gabe and he was like, "Fuck, did, that, did Jack Antonoff do this?" cuz like it is so good, but it is so like yeah. he just yeah. I don't to formula. It. and you know what? it works. It works.
1: I actually think the thing I like least about it is the lyrics, so I'm like that's Taylor's fault mostly. I'm sure. sure. But yeah. um Hilariously, my favorite song on that album is Karma, even though I made so much fun of it when it came out. Wow. Now I'm like obsessed with it. I think about you're it all like,
0: the time. You're like karma kit is a cat purring on my lap because it loves me.
1: <laughs> my At favorite of part of that song is when she's <laughs> Like, karma's a relaxing thought
0: <laughs> there's just something like so
1: cumbersome about that like it doesn't fit right in your mouth it's like she was really put- a- yeah <laughs> I wrote something about Jack Antonoff or I wrote something about like that St. Vincent album that he did um mass seduction that I mm-hmm. really liked at the time I don't know if I would still like it now I kind of rode for it and I think I was sort of being like <laughs> trarian also sorry my dog is barking she's really out of control yeah
2: Mass Seduction has some excellent songs on it and it really does not by and large sound like a Jack Antonoff production in the way that like we kind of think about mm-hmm. it now but there's some really goofy shit on that album like Pills and Potions wait no Pills and Potions is a Nicki Minaj song Pills and yeah just Pills,
0: pills. pills. I yeah, love yeah. Pills I love that song you like I that be, you would I I love that song. <laughs> Yeah, you love have a Cara
2: Delevingne co-write. Like that's. Your...
0: Oh my god! Wait, did she co-write that?
2: He co-wrote and does backing vocals on it, and this is after they oh. dated too. Like I can't really explain. So annoying. All that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I find annoying. that don't know. Vincent
0: is so annoying.
1: Um, I don't that's care
0: about another. Her. I feel like that album is. I, I was thinking about that album recently for some reason, and it's. It sounds really outdated for some reason like it sounds like it's aged a million years over the
2: last yeah. five years the problem with making albums about technology <laughs> is that like within two years they all sound absolutely crazy like I really hate to say it but you go back and listen to certain grime songs like from like the imperial phase not like misanthropocene mm-hmm. and beyond like they all kind of sound a little like um Of their time. I'll be charitable at their time. Still good, but like definitely not like it's just hard not to sound goofy when you're talking about current events and music in that kind of way, like the techno-futurist kind of way.
0: Yeah. Gabe made another point about 100 Gacks. He said, I feel like we're going to listen to them in a year and it's going to sound so dated like in a similar way. Mm -hmm. That's like when Julia, like you texted
1: me the other day saying that bad guy sounds really old.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's
1: like, damn, you're so right. Like that whispery, like minimalist production.
0: It sounds really goofy.
1: I've called it a drug vibe. Yeah. (laughs) The vibe is drops.
0: Yes. (laughs) It kind of is Speaking of Billie Eilish, um, should we get into girls? She's a girl. Oh
2: i was like where is this going um yeah we should um
0: speaking of bad guys <laughs> how
2: about uh
0: desi all right <laughs> gabriella tell us about your experience with girls like like when did you come to the show where were you in your life first impressions I
1: this is really sad and cliche, but I maybe it's just I don't know. I started watching Girls when I was like a sophomore in college at NYU, <laughs> and like Shoshana,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I really love rewatching it. At this point in my life, I'm like turning thirty soon and my perspective on all of the characters has changed so much like the characters I ride for are different like they're the ones that I hated before when I was younger and like maybe related more to like the messiness of um Hannah or Jessa and I would just be like Marnie's such an annoying bitch like can't she just relax and now I'm like oh my god Marnie is maybe my favorite of them yeah if I had to be friends with one of them it would probably be (laughs) Marnie.
2: Yeah, there was this Twitter prompt going around this week about like you need to rank the girls in order for all time. And almost all of them had Marnie at the bottom. And I found that shocking and upsetting. I mean for reasons that like listeners of this podcast probably know already, but like I just can't imagine. I don't I don't see how Marnie could be at the bottom.
1: I mean I don't know I think about it as, like, who would I want to be friends with? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, Marnie is, like, very uptight, super annoying, um, really embarrassing a lot of the time. But, like, she's an amazing friend, (laughs) at least at this point in the show. Like, you know, when she comes so early to get Hannah to take her to, like, you know, bring her coffee Mm -hmm. and she's, like, leaving for Iowa. And it's like, of course I was going to come here and, like, say goodbye to you um whereas when I was younger I think I like to think of myself as like less anxious in type A and so I wanted to be more of uh a, a Hannah or a Jessa like just like too flighty to like function mm-hmm. um but I'm just not that person <laughs> and That's since it's a, a show story. about friends I'm always relating it to well what are my friends like what kinds of people do I surround myself with and increasingly I I like I, honestly jessa in the last the second episode we're talking about i was just like this bitch like i would never be her friend like yeah. ever no like i'd meet her and be like i hate that girl <laughs> she needs to shut the fuck off <laughs> and i probably think she was fake british maybe <laughs> like okay. this donna ass british woman <laughs>
2: Well, she is fake British in real life, too. Like, I was reminded this week that Jemima Kirk is the only one in the Kirk family with an actual British accent.
1: I forgot about that. I love her sister. What's her sister's name? Lola. Did you watch, not to go off topic, but did you watch that show Mozart in the Jungle? Mm -mm. It actually rocks. I love it. Lola Kirk is in it. She's amazing.
2: I really liked her last album. I think it's from last year, but it's this, like, 80s pop country revival album like if you like like Winona and like Pam Tillis and stuff like it's really good I think it came out on Jack White's label but don't quote me on that but it is it's worth a listen if people have not checked it out the whole Kirk family is very talented and the third Kirk sister is married to Penn Badgley fun fact no way yeah and she's a celebrity doula oh my
0: god Mm -hmm. she I feel like that makes so much sense yeah I'm sorry to get also pen
1: oh I'm sorry Julia I cut you off
0: no no go ahead I
1: I, I'm no I don't want to get off topic but like everyone is a doula now that's a thing
2: (laughs) yeah I'm not (laughs) I know you have to go to some sort of school and get a certification to become a doula and it is hard work and like very intimate work and requires a lot of certifications it does feel like everyone's doing it right now in a suspiciously short period of time <laughs> and that is a knock not on a. it's not a knock on a very ancient profession but monitor <laughs> the situation there because it's uh it's okay. seeming a little bit like that time when like tyra banks said she went to harvard but just got like an online certificate in marketing
0: there are definitely like math doula master classes that some of these girls are taking <laughs> everyone also like-
1: didn't Oh, sorry.
0: No, you first.
1: Everyone's just very obsessed with birth. Like, I feel like birth is a big... It's...
0: Birth is hot. hot right now.
1: <laughs> Giving I, birth, discussing birth, assisting birth.
2: We're birthing. Birth
0: bodies, birthing bodies. I I feel like... Didn't SNL do, like, a duel of a skit? Recent sketch? Yeah,
2: they did.
0: What the fuck? What's going on?
2: Maybe it's just because, like we're all in our late 20s early 30s and we're just thinking about it a lot but i don't personally know anyone in my life who is used to doula like it's always just one of those things that i've read about and like i mean celebrities are obsessed with dual culture but
0: maybe it's like people becoming more suspicious of the healthcare system
2: that's true i'm gonna honestly
0: you know what this is a trend piece waiting to happen just Why, based on we need to alone. talk about
1: doulas. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Why is everyone a doula right now? Um, I actually okay. think I
1: talked about this with JL.
0: That's uh, when, point.
1: like over DM, because she made like a funny tweet. Sorry, totally irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Moving on.
0: No, no. Oh, that's amazing. You know who would be a doula is Jessa. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. One hundred and ten percent. That's what she's missing in her life.
0: Yeah amazing um this brings us into like good segue into our next question which is which girl are you i know you worked as a writer in new york city and iowa much like our girl hannah
2: but i'm not you... hannah. I
1: don't i'm know not a I hannah. i'm a marnie for sure
2: yay 100%. <laughs> what I are you feel <laughs> i'm a marnie i hope you feel sister supported uh in this in this chat tonight
0: Gabriella, guess I want you to guess for me. You're Hannah. I'm like a Hannah Shosh cusp.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: Um, you're not as
1: manic as Shosh. Like, I feel like you have. uh, You're pretty easy. Like, it's
0: a different kind of mania. You know, (laughs) it's more subdued. I'm not like hyper. She's hyper. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i forgot that this season was the season of her going on job interviews and she's... we'll get to the scene in this the one of the episodes that we watched today but like i think there are three or four interviews over the course of the season and they all get progressively more psycho and this one really shows was stressing me out tonight in a way that she usually does not
0: she's stressful i mean i think also just seeing her start to go into the real world and kind of get the training wheels off you realize that she never really like learned how to ride a bike well
2: yeah and she has horrible role models so maybe we should get into uh (laughs) maybe we should get into the episode so last episode in the season four premiere Hannah departed for Iowa for her writer's workshop uh leaving her relationship with Adam seemingly up in the air Marty and Desi continued their awful affair behind Clementine's back. Shosh finally graduated from NYU and Jessa lost her job with Beatty because Natasha Leone came to pick her up and that is where we left off.
0: We usually go through girl by girl through each episode, but this season four, episode two is mainly, you know, around Hannah. So maybe let's just go through our girl hannah her trials and tribulations
2: okay i need to know off the top (laughs) as an iowa city resident currently did you find this episode's portrayal of the rental market accurate
1: no it's not (laughs) okay so i have a lot of problems with this episode (laughs) no not like not in a serious way but um first of all it is not shot in Iowa City like even remotely um which surprised me I thought that they did shoot it here but I watched the show so long ago that I like obviously didn't live here yet so I didn't know that um the rental market here actually really sucks uh because the minimum wage in Iowa is extremely low And because it's a college town, the rents are much higher than they are in other parts of the state. So yeah, it kind of sucks here to rent. And when she gets that house for what, like $600. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was what, maybe like almost 10 years ago that this came out.
2: Yeah. They shot this in 2014.
1: Okay. So yeah, no, Mm -hmm. it still wouldn't be that low. (laughs) and then she's in the house and she's just like oh my god this house it's so amazing um I mean I wish it was like that but yeah not accurate you know when I moved here everyone was like wow like Iowa City you're gonna be able to find such amazing place you're gonna be able to pay for stuff because everything's so cheap but then it's like you make so little money in Iowa that actually you're still just like at the same place you were in when you lived in Brooklyn, but you're like in Iowa.
2: <laughs> well, Iowa City's pretty. At least I mean, I I don't know. I'm biased, but I do I do really like it. Um, I just googled why this was not filmed in Iowa City, and apparently, the University of Iowa refused to let Lena Dunham shoot on campus uh, because the project would be risky for the school. Mm-hmm so instead <laughs> all outdoor scenes were filmed in bitmus park brooklyn so everything you see in this episode is in brooklyn wild
1: that's what i wow. thought the scene where she's riding her bike along that path looks like new york
2: yeah And
1: mm-hmm. i mean iowa city is beautiful and i feel like the town what's funny is that No one, the way I feel, I don't want to get too far into this yet, but the way I feel watching it is, like, someone in the writer's room talked to, like, two people who had ever once lived in Iowa City, like, even, like, even, like, went there for one hour, and then they, like, Mm -hmm. wrote the whole show around, like, those two conversations, um, the way they like name drop all of these places in town and then they go to those places and it's not the right place. It's like watching this like uncanny valley situation of like the city you live in, but it's like a f- it's like a fake like studio mm-hmm. city. You know what I mean? Um I don't I I came into this being like, I can't get defensive about Iowa City because it's so embarrassing and weird to be like that, but I, I am like weirdly defensive of
0: <laughs> I think you can be. I think you yeah. can and should be. <laughs>
2: No it was really funny though that like Hannah feels like she's having an eat pray love moment for like the first 15 minutes she's there like she has space again which like I can attest to like moving to a bigger apartment truly is like night and day your life will change forever for the positive like I get that but her like eating grapes in the sunshine and like having shelves for like curiosities and knickknacks or whatever she says like it's like, of course she's going to like throw herself into it for a little bit and then immediately just reject it completely.
1: Yeah. And I should clarify yeah. about the rental market. Like obviously your space is a lot bigger than it would be. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, I live in a, like a small house. This is my office that I'm talking to you in right now. Um, and that's very lucky. Right. It's not like, oh, it's horrendously expensive. It's just, it's not that cheap. <laughs> you know?
0: yeah. yeah, I kind of figured I, I, It, you know, and then in the same way that shows love to show you New York apartments that are so big that, you know, Hannah or whoever could never really afford, I feel like they do this just maybe to drive home the fact that, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. Mm
1: -hmm. But Uh, I love her. What? Or like we are, we're in. We are in Kansas. We
0: actually are. We are. <laughs> we're
1: in in I-, I mean, we're in Iowa, but yeah. it's Kansas.
0: <laughs> I love her uh, touring the apartment with Marnie over Skype. That felt very sweet. She says, like, can you believe it took me three minutes versus three seconds to show you my apartment? We kind of realized that Adam and Hannah have split up um, because... After talking about quote-unquote t- 20 things, Hannah feels okay to ask, how's Adam? You know, where has he been? What's he been doing? And Marnie doesn't really take the bait. But I also, I, I love their their conversation here. I love um, her, Hannah saying we should all move here and start the revolution. Kind of a callback to when she said the exact same thing about Michigan. A very kind of New York like (laughs) state of mind.
2: Yeah, and like I do like that Marnie is like genuinely excited for Hannah about this. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think this is the only time we actually see Marnie in the episode. But like her making a scarf for Desi too, and Hannah being like, (sighs) "You are acting like a mistress right now." (laughs) Like (laughs) it, like. It's nice to see their relationship kind of, like, settling into something a little bit more. Like, they've been through it, but, like, this felt like a very nice, friendly moment, at least.
1: The scarf Mm -hmm. moment was, like, okay, that's what I can't relate to with Marnie, is her, like, really pathetic relationship with men. Like, she is so desperado and sad all the time, and I can't handle it.
2: Yeah. She's also
0: just, like, painfully twee in this way
2: yeah like every I mean we'll get into the next episode too but she, everything she wore this episode felt like such a costume and mm-hmm. I don't I like this like free people thing she does around Desi is so it's like 2012 like Lita Chunky Boot tumbler, but like yeah. three years too late and it's hard to watch a little bit like it can't be hard to watch so Uh, fashion
1: scarves galore
2: yeah the
1: like floor length jersey maxi dress she wears to perform (laughs) at jazz brunch Mm -hmm. with like that little feather hair clip thing was the saddest look she She loves the stretch
2: fabric yeah it's in like the i mean she was in like a teal jersey dress again which is her like armor essentially like throughout like season one two three and four she wears some sort of like teal or turquoise jersey dress and i'm just like how many of these do you have <laughs> like yeah only need one just we, some someone I... who heard sorry
0: go ahead
1: oh no you're fine i'm sorry
0: um i was just gonna say she's someone who heard the advice like if you find something that looks good on you buy like five versions of it and really took it to heart
1: Wait, this episode has one of my favorite quotes ever, which is what Jessa comes to. Okay, I do love Jessa for like what she says. I maybe I, would, maybe I would let her be in my friend group as like a ch- tangential friend. Like she can come to the bar. She's like the kind of girl who if I went to a party and I was drunk, I would like probably talk to her for a really long time. But if I like just met her in my daily life, I would be so annoyed by her and I wouldn't want to speak to her. But when she walks into the jazz brunch and she goes, "What's up, necrophiliacs?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, what? he, has he has an effortless humor for sure, and oh, is yeah. very charming. And, and when she, she
1: calls, sorry, when she calls, moving to Iowa, pussying out. I was like, that's true. <laughs> Like, grad school is quitting. Like, you're quitting life. You're saying, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I need to go be a child again. I need to go be a baby with like a daddy who takes care of me, and that's the (laughs) university. And
2: yeah,
1: my friend Jordan, shout out to Jordan. Um, he used to say that he wanted to open a bar in New York called grad school that stayed open later than all the other bars because grad school is where you go when you don't have anywhere (sighs) else to go. Yeah.
0: That's so funny. That's a really good, You should should keep that
2: going. Yeah. I I still think about it. (laughs) Oh my god. That hits, as someone who is also in grad school right now, that hits a little lot. too close to home. But I, I, I 100% agree. Um, okay, one thing that was like hyper realistic, and I really want to know where they filmed this is the university bookstore scene where she's trying to mm-hmm. check out with her like overextended credit. They nailed what a university bookstore is. It doesn't matter if you go to a school with 800 people or 80,000. Every single bookstore looks like that and, like, has the same, like, like, horrible cashier, like, somehow there are Mm -hmm. always six people in line behind you, like, no matter how busy or empty you think it is, like, it's, this made me, like, my, my hair, the hair stand on end on my arms, like, it just, um, this was so funny, though, her being, like, tall Amex, and him saying, I don't want to, (laughs) like,
0: (laughs) she's so annoying let's call them like you know just (laughs)
1: also no one has Amex in Iowa I'm sorry like people still take checks here I'm
2: serious
0: and no one who is in her financial position has Amex that's an expensive
2: and she says it herself she's like i'm not living off the teat of my parents i'm in grad school and the guy's just like fuck out of here
1: (laughs) and then she pulls out the american express that's linked to her parents account (laughs)
2: oh my god she
0: um i also love someone buying books in front of her and she goes must be nice to have your parents paying for all your shit (laughs) like like as if her parents weren't paying for all her shit up until like two years ago Oh, such a painful scene.
2: Yeah, um, and her saying is she was buying nuts for brain food too. Also, I was just like, yeah. Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> She's in student <laughs> mode.
2: So she goes over to the writer's workshop house, like Victorian house, and meets Chandra, um, who is like a second year in the program with a severe bob um who's like you don't need to lock your bike we're in Iowa no it's gonna steal your bike and she's just like really unnerving
0: right and uh, And of course it gets stolen I mean I I love that advice like you especially as someone who is coming from New York just you always lock your bike you always prepare for the worst case scenario don't I just she's so impressionable
2: yeah and like so like- desperate to fit into like even with um you' like immediately she is not vibing with this woman, but she's like trying her best, but the, the so is this one like what happens next? I watched this episode yesterday, so the does the bat happen next
0: um yeah. let's let's get let's definitely cover the bat and then get back to class, okay because- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh God, Hannah, um, are there bats in Iowa? That's just my, my first question.
1: Okay. The bat situation is actually maybe the most accurate thing about this whole episode, because there are so many bats in people's houses here. Yeah, And if you find a bat in your home, you have to go to the hospital and do the rabies vaccinations, which are like three or four shots you have to get. Like, one one week Mm -hmm. and then you know subsequent weeks and it's because a bat bite like when you're sleeping you probably won't feel it Mm -hmm. but if they have rabies you die so you have to go to the hospital even if you just find one and it's like nowhere near you and um one time I went to a show in Iowa City that my friends were playing at this old house And a bat flew in the front door and it was very exciting and everyone was from Brooklyn. So they were like filming the bat and they were like, oh my God, it's a bat.
0: (laughs) Because you
1: don't see any, you know, wildlife out there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, But yeah, there are
1: a lot of bats here and there are a lot of really old homes. Like my home is, I think it was, it's a Sears house, which means it was like Mm -hmm. bought from a catalog. And I think it was brought here in the Mm twenties. And that's like young for some of
2: the homes here. A lot of the others are like- late 1800s yeah when I was a camp counselor in Minnesota a decade ago part of our training was protecting the campers from bats because like little kids obviously get freaked out by them but part of our training was learning how to in their terms dispose of the bat which involved (laughs) catching it in a like a net yourself and uh disposing of it and that was very yeah like I was trying to use pleasanter terms but also disposing feels like weirdly clinical and terrible too i really think they just should have but because it was like you have to like crush it essentially which is like really hardcore to tell like a bunch of 18 year olds how to crush a bat but it's something that has really stuck with me for better or worse um that's sick but it is sick yeah oh my and God. the rabies of it but like you get rabies too i mean it's did yeah. you ever
0: have to uh get close to bat crushing me <laughs> either I
2: know I didn't one flew into like a cabin once but like it flew out just as quickly and everyone was like we're probably fine and the kids hadn't come yet so like it wasn't as a uh, imperative so I think <laughs> we were fine um
0: glad to hear that
2: yeah but it was so funny to see Hannah obviously not know how to deal with it like running outside getting locked out crawling through the window, and. Uh, of sleeping in the bathroom and the bat's still in there the whole time
0: and then I mean, she
1: wears her jammies to class
2: Oh,
0: that's where on pajama pants
1: that's where i'm like i am not a hannah i would okay
0: know. see that's where i am that's where i am exactly a hannah oh, i am no, sleeping really? in the bathroom yeah i'm sleeping in the bathroom i have no idea what to do i'm acting off pure and my instincts are oh, bad.
2: The bath, <laughs> the bathroom. I get like we had a tornado here in Chicago last summer overnight, and I slept in my bathtub for an hour because it was the only place that was far away from my windows. But well, the what pajama. You, what are you
0: wearing to class?
2: <laughs> well, I wasn't going. To, I was. I wasn't going to class at that point. But I, <laughs> I just don't understand any sort of pajama pant culture outside the home. Like,
0: no, it's I something agree. that you
2: could barely get away with an undergrad, and as a uh-uh. grad student you should like there's not a principal's office for grad school but like you should have to go to the principal's office for that like it's offensive. i think
0: i would just i would just wake up late and panic and just run and not think about it like i think i would be too scared to go back into my room and change so i'd be forced to to pajama pant it
2: yeah I just I just looking at that whole outfit the like sweatshirt like hastily thrown over the whole like pajama oh. set or whatever I was just like you have to get it together <laughs> and she doesn't she, because... I'm... oh go on Sorry.
1: I think we're all about to say the same thing which is that she looks whole Horrible in these episodes. Like, yes, yeah. Like Hannah never I, I'm gonna be a bitch, but she always kind of looks like shit, but she looks like really fucking bad <laughs> in these episodes. Yeah. Like I'm she just like,
0: like shit warmed over. Her
1: haircut, too, is just like the that very structured
2: bowlish. Vibe. Yeah.
0: It's like I mean it's like is a... not
2: for everyone.
0: No, certainly not it looks she's like she's looking she bad made. on purpose she looks like what? a giant baby
2: yeah <laughs> no it's It's like messy toddler hair like it's like, like you get a fresh haircut and then run around in it in two hours for two hours and then that's what happens like and then when she <laughs> and when she puts in hot rollers next episode and it looks even worse i was like my god <laughs>
0: uh-uh. yeah I, <laughs> okay. she's just like choosing the most baffling outfits you've ever seen um but she's also like wearing like all of
1: these sweaters over shirts
0: <laughs> that
1: are very, just, collegiate. you know, when a sweater is just too tight and it's over a shirt that's like loose, that's kind yeah. of
2: the energy that she's wearing. And you get out. like the little wrinkles like spilling out of it, like oh yeah. It, it's,
0: it's the costuming is genius. Yeah, like once so again, so Jen
2: Rogan, you you outdid yourself, <laughs> queen. You did it. It was if so I good. were one of
1: her. Oh, sorry. If I were one of her classmates, I'd literally be like, Who is this messy psycho bitch? (laughs) Like, get her out.
2: And they are like like... pretty (laughs) much are like
1: that. I would be like, I'm canceling you just so you leave.
2: Yeah. (laughs) One of the ways you could tell though that this was filmed in Brooklyn was every single person at this table, every single actor is like Brooklyn theater, off-Broadway theater, someone who I have seen in an SVU episode. Like literally every single one of them has been in an SVU episode. I was truly delighted to see. I don't know if y'all know who Marin Ireland is, but she plays Logan, like the like bitchy blonde depressive one who wears like the like the Mew Mew Prada outfits, like the whole episode, which we will get into later. But she is like off Broadway theater legend and i forgot she was in this and i like s- cheered <laughs> when she popped up on screen but
0: i've never seen her before but she's great in this i'll have to look into her but, she's wait, like one of those is... good
2: oh no she's just like in like guest roles in basically everything like okay yeah she's but she does like a lot of like theater in new york like um she in like Hari Neth and like all those people are in like the same kind of circles Mm -hmm. so oh
0: I love Dorinda from Gossip Girl making an appearance
2: oh oh Dorota Dorota
0: Dorota Dorinda Dorinda, oh my god (laughs) Real Housewives my wires are crossed
1: wow I didn't even clock that that was Dorota
0: Dorota
2: yeah
1: we I don't want to skip ahead to the next episode but when she says to dorota like i need you to stop writing about prisons of the south or i'm going <laughs> to get myself imprisoned and i <laughs> <That was laughs> It's like the, was the specificity of that criti- criticism was very good
2: okay so, so as funny. someone who's probably been in these types of workshops like what did you think about all this
1: well okay the other thing I want to say is the name D-August was, Yes, I laughed okay. out loud. The names in this show are so funny. And like the way that they're like used to just generate more humor is funny. Like mm-hmm. someone says, mm-hmm. thank you for that D-August. And then like throughout the episode, they keep saying, yes, that's true. D-August. <laughs> they keep saying the whole name. Um, yeah, it was a Booth Jonathan moment for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. My favorite name ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I I need to make a distinction, which is that I graduated from the nonfiction writing program, mm-hmm. whereas the technical Iowa's, Iowa Writers Workshop is fiction and poetry. However, the workshop models are basically the same, I think, uh, and... Yeah, the distinctions are more, uh, I don't even want to get into it. It's silly. But that said, I've never sat in on a fiction workshop. That's never been a class I've taken. I know they don't read their stories out loud to each other because that's truly psycho and it would take so much time. And Mm -hmm. I did relate to the kind of, Like really self-serious reflections I guess but at the same time I don't know I I I think I was like so distracted by the fact that one of the guys in the workshop was wearing an Iowa Hawkeyes shirt because straight up like if you're a grad student in any of the MFA programs, like you never wear Iowa Hawkeyes merch. That's like a very undergraduate <laughs> move. Um, like I have an Iowa Hawkeyes jersey for Caitlin Clark, and I wore it to a bar, and it was like purely, it was revolutionary for me to wear mm. that. Like that, I was breaking barriers by being uh, a <laughs> uh-huh. by being a faculty member at the university, MFA grad wearing uh, Iowa Hawkeyes merchandise at a cool bar. Um, so I was very distracted by that, like the characterization of all the people in the class, like people in the workshops, yeah, they're like the fiction bros who are super buttoned up and you know look like they left a job in the tech industry in San Francisco to like come pursue their dream of writing fiction but a lot of people are just like messy weird art people and like freaks and everyone in this workshop (laughs) looks so buttoned up I was like what's going on
2: yeah even like the like hippie one Chandra she just had a bob like that's not necessarily messy that's just bob
1: no, Chandra gives, like, executive bitch, like, <laughs> that's her energy. Like, she's, like, she's, like, the, the like, the cool girl in the office, but she's still making, like, six figures, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I forget all the <laughs> names of them, but they're all, like, honestly, this is gonna sound terrible, but they all seem, like, weebs. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, like, I don't know. I think, I, I, I feel like I, when I came to school here, I was, like, scared as hell and intimidated by people in that room. And I mean Hannah looks like Hannah is the biggest loser of all of them. Yeah. So maybe that's the distinction.
2: No, definitely yeah. like different flavors of dweebs, but she is the dweebiest. Like and For sure. though I mean Chandra's saying um that D August's story is gut wrenching, not asking to wrench our guts, just wrenching them was so dweeby so to funny. me. <laughs> like,
0: so funny, just wrenching them.
2: Uh, I they don't
0: remember sorry i don't i'm so bad at this i'm so bad no oh my god this happens all the time truly Um, all the time i i don't remember who says uh you played with gender in a way that was really surprising and almost (laughs) offensive but not offensive
2: yeah that was chester chong another incredible character name Um, I love
1: him. Um, One thing that I will say is that I think in workshops, at least this has been my experience, like the better something is, it's almost like the more people shit on it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because of,
1: and I, I don't think this is true always, and I'm only speaking from my own experience, but like there is that like kind of competitive edge sometimes where it's like you are being asked to pick something apart, whether it's good or bad. Do you know what I mean? So like you have to do the picking even if you love it and you think nothing's wrong with it. It's like the duty of workshop to like find problems. And so it was very funny that everyone was like, wow, this is just like so good. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) okay, so that means it's really bad because you have nothing specific (laughs) to say about it.
2: They have a lot of specific things to say about Hannah's, though she does not do any favors by promoing it with um if you are upset by the more triggering aspects of these pieces um you can leave the room I okay
1: there's the door
2: so this episode was written in 2014 was like and obviously the concept of triggering was around then and the episode is titled triggering but like was this I don't remember triggering being like a ginormous cultural concept
0: i feel like point. it was i okay. i don't think it was that big it, it grew it certainly grew but
2: it was yeah. definitely
0: like i feel like college campus language yeah
2: know? i guess like, yeah by the end of when we graduated it definitely was a big thing but like yeah i guess i just like i guess i must have missed the early boat maybe this is like her fault um i mean not that there's like anything at fault here but she <laughs> this like is her fault. she she like normalized it like lena doesn't finally normalize something into the culture um i was gonna say maybe you don't remember because you were problematic
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true you were always people <laughs> the other
1: most used word on a college campus i will add problematic,
2: problematic. yeah I'm like, it's- what is that
1: add it to my list of words that mean nothing now. Problematic (laughs) is top of the list.
2: (laughs) No, I, I used in a paper recently the word unproblematic and like its original connotation, like something that is without problem. And (laughs) I had to check myself for a second. I was like, wait, why did I type this? And then I was like, oh, because that's what this word means here. Like you don't, (laughs) don't be (laughs) crazy, but, um, her story, I guess, would be problematic in the colloquial sense because people keep calling it like fifty shades. And mm-hmm. Marin Ireland Logan says that it is quote unquote trivializing to the very real process of abuse.
0: <laughs> Do we uh, like see when I heard it, I it felt pretty inoffensive to me. Am I like, am I off base? Was the joke that it was so just, like, kind of bland, but still they're finding so many problems with it? Or was it
2: problematic? I think we're supposed to assume that there's some sort of time jump in between when she starts speaking and when she finishes. Because, like, in the second episode... Oh, no, no, it is this episode. She's talking about how the story is about her taking a bunch of quaaludes and asking her boyfriend to punch her in the chest. And we didn't All hear right. that part, so... I, I certainly did. Um, I mean, maybe it was offensive, maybe it was problematic, but, like, it mostly just sounds like it's horrible, though I don't necessarily trust this group yeah. of people <laughs> to be the best judges of that.
1: Yeah, it feels like melodrama. Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of... Like, it's, it's like, shock value and, and then empty, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know, I... I could see I'm like I could see why that girl said it was triggering no I (laughs) I think the tone of workshop now is if there's like physical abuse in something you should tell people like just a heads up you know yeah but I also was confused by the kind of like brevity of it and I'm sorry I watched it yesterday I don't remember if that was like the intro and then it cuts into the ending or if it almost seemed to me like she wrote it about this quaalude situation and then actually kind of made it sound like her boyfriend was abusing her like to make it edgier or Mm -hmm. something (laughs) which sounds terrible but it would be very hannah to be like and i asked him to
2: like hit me yeah (laughs) yeah and she's not like you know we don't know a lot about Hannah's writing by and large which is one of the great strengths of the show but from what we do know she does a lot of diaristic writing not a ton of fiction from what we've seen and I can see why she's having a a, like a tough time writing from outside of her own experience and naming like the main character of her story Anna instead of Hannah (laughs) like She's essentially just writing a thinly a thinly fictionalized version of herself because she just cannot see past the tip of her own nose. That's
1: like the thing about the workshop that felt the most weird was how everyone kind of said, oh, this is obviously about her mm-hmm. because the workshop model is supposed to, I mean, even in nonfiction, like you're supposed to address the person, the writer as like the narrator, you know, like not kind of assuming that the person who's telling the story is necessarily the person who's had the experience yeah and so like the fact that they raised that issue was weird to me only because i know that's true in like every workshop setting like that's not like a conversation that's really allowed to happen um i have funny story about this but i don't know if i should tell it on the pod
0: feel free if yeah. you we if can kind
2: of if you if you want us to but okay, definitely there's a,
1: le- there's a legendary story in iowa city about a poetry workshop wherein one poet wrote a poem that was very clearly about another poet in the workshop in which oh God. the other poet was referred to as a witch whore <laughs> Oh my God. And it was like very obviously, like the poet wrote it about this other poet, and like no one addressed it. They just had to like keep talking about it as if it was just a poem that like no one knew what it was.
0: That's insane. The, cra-
1: the craziest thing, I only know this secondhand. I wasn't in the workshop. So if I'm wrong, correct me. But the craziest part about it is that <laughs> the workshop leader, when people brought up that this was like, maybe weird like I think people kind of brought up to the the leader like privately like hey this is like kind of awkward because we we know this is about like a beef between these two people how do we kind of deal with this the leader was like didn't care about that and instead was like you really shouldn't use the word whore unless you're a sex worker
0: oh my god
2: I'm not it's even like, sure sex workers are using the word whore to self-describe yeah, themselves. I was,
0: I was like we, your whole
1: job as a leader is to make sure people aren't literally targeted and harassed and your like biggest issue is that the word whore is in the
0: Wow. Wait, so was it witch whore with a W or bitch whore with a B?
1: Oh, witch, like a W. Okay. And it was a whole, like awesome. this person thought the other person was literally a witch like
2: putting a spell on someone. Oh, so he meant wish and whore literally.
1: Wish whore. It was no, it was literal. It wasn't like fun. It wasn't like me being like, what's up, whores?
0: (laughs) Okay. okay, That 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 changes things.
1: I knew it it was like It wasn't like like, Instagram witch. It was like literally like you're a witch. Like okay we might have to cut that but it is very funny and I told my friend I was like that's the story that I think encapsulates my first year in Iowa City was like the drama is unreal like the things that people argue about is no I think COVID fixed a lot of that I think COVID sent everyone into their little den to um self-reflect feel depressed and lonely and now i think everyone plays a little bit nicer but it was rough
2: yeah like you just need some time away to get some perspective on uh on yourself and the real issues at hand yeah um,
1: yeah like why are you into witchcraft yeah <laughs> that's the real issue <laughs> i'm just so i hate the like instagram witch vibe it sucks oh, it's so
0: it's dumb much
1: so- the scene oh, from this episode—it's very that, doula energy. It's very
2: everyone. Oh, everyone so who becoming doula. a doula
1: as a thirty-year-old was an Instagram witch.
2: I mean, yeah, maybe th- sure. it's like one of those dual degree programs where you can get the certificate in being a doula and get the witch one while you're at it too. <laughs> for an yeah,
0: ad. yeah, two for one.
2: You like do an additional semester, and you're a witch too. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there is anything inherently witchy about being a doula, but like that's you know um okay <laughs> this
1: the instagram witch to duel <laughs> <laughs> up uh, this
2: um the scene from this episode that really made me be like oh hannah girl you need to get a grip was her at the bar with logan accusing her of being a domestic abuse survivor oh and like telling her that's why you can't accurately assess my work because you're too like Deep in your own trauma. Horrible. Horrible.
1: Yeah. That I I'm sorry, like my only way of reviewing this episode is just talking about how confused I am by the depictions of like real places. <laughs> so like that bar that they're in <laughs> is called the Foxhead. And I'm actually going to get canceled for this, but it's like the worst fucking bar in Iowa City. I fucking hate it. It's cash only. It's literally in an old trailer with like the shittiest bathroom you've ever been in. The soda gun doesn't work. There's no carbonation. (laughs) And in the show, it's like this gorgeous, like old tavern, you know? But yeah, I mean, what she said was really (laughs) fun. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah, I also, what else did she say? She um and also logan saying let's just say you were going to get published (laughs) like which is such a rude thing to say but she's like that's why we have to criticize your work in the way that we do because we have to you know criticize it as just some uh you know outside reader outside perspective hannah also says oh no go ahead no you go
2: ahead go ahead
0: um hannah also says at one point someone I think Logan says TMI Hannah. And she says, there's no such thing as too much information. We're in the inter- information age and we're all here to express ourselves. Which I thought was it's just like the Lena Dunham grand theory, grand thesis yeah. in a nutshell. So funny. The the personal essay reigns supreme in her in her body of work.
2: So somehow after that interaction, she breaks her phone calls Shosh and Jessa on collect call it was so funny watching Shoshana try to um oh my God. navigate a collect call honestly I'm her though because I don't think I would know how to like receive one of those either I also thought I don't know if either of y'all watch Scandal in its heyday but for all my Scandal heads out there it is so funny that uh Shosh ships Huck and Quinn the most toxic character pairing romantic pairing I've <laughs> ever seen on television. Like so 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 funny to me. Um and then she calls her parents who are too busy with Scrabble. But I, love I was happy to see them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I love her um talking about her new friends, uh just making up names including Ranchney, Nagasaki, and Cher. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. And uh, she asks, like, I literally wrote those down.
1: I have it on my pad of paper. Ranch, (laughs) Nagasaki, and share.
0: I love (laughs) that she asks, like, is it normal? This honestly made me laugh out loud, just the tone of her voice. Is it normal when you get to a new place to think about suicide for the first time ever? and her parents are so distracted like yeah yeah sometimes you get when you're on the top of a building you think about throwing the baby off and that's just what it's like <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yes. all right we gotta go <laughs> how
1: much They're... have y'all talked about her parents on this podcast
2: incessantly but for good reason like they yes. are incredible just incredible
1: they, they are amazing. a trip i don't know I guess I know parents like that who are just like incredibly willing to mm-hmm. continue to pursue like their child's incompetence mm-hmm. and like help them. I know. <laughs> but it's crazy like at a certain point, I'm like she needs to stop calling them. <laughs> Sorry, I guess she is talking about, like, suicide, so I should be a little, <laughs> little
2: bit... <laughs> no. Also,
1: it's like with Hannah, it's like nothing is ever actually as dramatic as... No,
2: they definitely know... Um, they know how to deal with her shit at this point, too. Like, the suicide comment does not even phase them whatsoever <laughs> yeah. because she Doesn't is register. just, like, such. she is so dramarama. I love <laughs> the little touch that they play Scrabble on one of those raised game boards that like tilts it towards your head mm-hmm. that was so funny though it would drive me nuts to play Scrabble on one of those because the pieces would keep sliding off that is not about the show itself but like that just some <laughs> little set design that bothered me a little bit um I would love to play Scrabble with Becky and Baker though that seems like a really fun way to pass an evening.
0: absolutely
2: is there anything um, else Elijah. From oh yeah. yeah yeah
0: big 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 moment Elijah this- appears he's sick of new york because quote-unquote a homeless woman tried to fist herself on my stoop <laughs> oh i love i love elijah and iowa i they go to a frat party um and completely you know rage and get shit-faced and elijah gives a straight guy a handjob a straight guy who insists that um he's not gay while it's happening it's i mean it's it's beautiful and- it's a beautiful scene
2: yeah and then he's just like "Eh." (laughs) yeah which is so funny yeah me neither (laughs) yeah that elijah and hannah grinding on the same guy to get low was perfect like yeah
1: i have been to a house party in iowa city where i danced to get low no grinding but i really related to that that was actually i think i said something else was the most relatable part but that was actually the most Mm -hmm. relatable part
0: were you wearing like an easter church outfit? No, I was <laughs> like obviously, I
1: obviously looked amazing and it was halloween and I was in like a cute outfit.
0: Well, that sounds amazing. Cute. I mean yeah. Hannah's just literally looks like she's on her way to church. She's wearing a a pale yeah, a peeps yellow um cardigan and a white shift dress. It, yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny and um <laughs> she she wrestles in a tub of paint later in the episode this which... Was like
1: me I... oh sorry
0: no no i just was gonna ask like is that could could you see that happening at an iowa frat party
1: i mean i don't think like you would go to a frat party as like a grad student that's what's weird. That's, like, what's really confusing is that all of it is, like, this weird confluence of, like, the undergrad and the grad communities, which are very different.
2: Like, Yeah.
1: Like, mm-hmm. Iowa City is, like, a huge football city. Like, every, Like, Iowa, University of Iowa is, like, a Big Ten. Like, we have, like, a huge football sports culture. And then, like, we also have all these, like, MFA programs. <laughs> so it's, like, this weird, <laughs> like, the party is this weird combination of both of those cultures. But I did love the party because... She talks to that. Okay, this is a missed, a missed opportunity for the writers. I'll say this. I have a beef, I have like a lot of problems with the writers of this episode. So one one issue is that when she talks to that girl who's crying, saying her boyfriend cheated on her, she's like, Oh my God, where does he live? And she says, Des Moines. He goes to Iowa State. Iowa State is in Ames. It's Mm -hmm. not in Des Moines, first of all. Lazy 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 that's what I'm talking about like they talked to two Google. people who had ever even touched a toe in Iowa and then wrote it based on that and then I I literally in my notes I wrote these lazy Coastal Elites thinking they can just make up this town I hate um but then also <laughs> that was that was like perfect opportunity for instead of him living in Des Moines for him to be the guy that Elijah is jerking
2: off in the bathroom yeah.
0: Oh, did anyone else is, see that? No, yes, I, I, I thought that's
2: of, where it was going to.
0: Me too. That's so funny. Why I know to happen. Because
1: she's like, where is he? Where is he? It's like, what if that uh-huh. was the encounter instead of like this weird paint paint pool thing that like I've never seen happen ever in college?
2: Yeah, I mean, not to out myself as Problematic again, but unfortunately, I was in a fraternity in college that unfortunately <laughs> did do Jello wrestling <laughs> as oh my a, God. a major event every fall. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little, a little too familiar with that. Um, I am pain-
0: remembering now a pudding party. So,
2: <laughs> the okay, thing wow. about pudding and Jello, though, is they kind of like cushion the landing a little bit. Like, there's nothing soft mm-hmm. about the bottom of those inflatable pools, like doing it in paint that shit is going to be in your hair for the next two years and it's hard like I just that to me felt yeah like someone who's never been to like a frat party not that I'm like the advocate or the you know representative for any of that but um, I did think it was very cute and honestly a little representative um, when the episode ends with Hannah and Elijah walking across The Dipness Park, uh wishing it was undergrad again. Like that was very cute to me.
1: Yeah, it's just like, I'm like, what are they doing at an undergrad (laughs) party? Yeah. I don't know. I I I think I'm just being a little um like I have my blinders on. Like I'm pretty sure if you went to like any of the parties I've gone to in the past four years living here, you would just be like, wow, it's just like a bunch of drunk college students.
2: Yeah. (laughs) There's no (laughs) (laughs) differentiation. The party in the next episode felt way more, you know, attuned to what like the actual grad student party experience is. Like, should we just get into it, Julia?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's
2: okay. do it.